Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Open World Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. I'm your host, Danny Flood, and today I'm joined by Sean Marshall. So six years ago, Sean was laid off. He arrived at home with all of his office things in the box. He was unemployed, and together with his wife, they started on a new path, selling everything they own and creating a lifestyle business. He started out by freelancing the way that many of us have, and over time, converted that to more of a real business that helps him to break the chain of trading time for money. But he started off really quickly, making uh, $2,050 his very first month freelancing, and then getting a client that was worth $18,000. So I'm really excited to see how he was able to do that, how we can do the same. And uh, Sean really breaks the stereotype that you have to be 22, single, and move to Thailand on $1,000 a month to be location independent. It's not just about a race to the bottom, because uh, Sean's done this with a wife and three daughters and making serious money. He lived two years in the Caribbean, spent over six months living all over Europe, and today he blogs at FamilyRocketShip.com, where he teaches people how to do the same, how to set up a business that enables this lifestyle and uh, not dumpster diving at the same time. So <laughs> I, I think you guys are going to be listening. Uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this interview. Sean, I have more to say to your bio, but I'm just going to save it for later. So uh, sure. Well, welcome to the, the podcast. Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I wanted to, to talk about uh, your Udemy course and all these other things. You have a really long and illustrious bio. You recently spoke at the Millionaire Fastlane, uh, right. the workshop for the Millionaire Fastlane. Can we just start at the beginning? Tell me about your backstory and your entrepreneurial background. Sure. Um, backstory, I'll try and keep it quick. Um, I've always been entrepreneurial, but I've never quite made anything stick. You know, even as a kid, I remember I wanted to be a doctor. My dad said, I think you should check out this business thing and, and never quite paid attention to him and um, finally got around to it after I got married and we're living in South Orange County. And, you know, my wife and I were 26 years old and we're thinking, how the heck are we going to buy a house in Orange County, California? You know, most of the houses at that time for a decent starter home were like 700,000 bucks. And so... Um, you know, every night I'd lay awake thinking, what the heck am I going to do? And then I read the four hour work week. Like I'm sure everybody, at least listening to this podcast has, it's kind of our Bible or rite of passage to read that book. I read that book and it blew me away. And I thought, Whoa, this is possible. Like I'm, a, I'm allowed to do this. Cause I used to think, well, you know, I'm supposed to have a good job and, you know, do the thing and have a mortgage and, and then I'll be happy and the whole thing. And so then I read that book blew me away, but, um, and it really ignited something in me, but I was still just kind of too chicken to really pull the trigger, still tried to do some things on the side, but it really wasn't until that last job that I had where for the, the past two jobs, the last two jobs that I had, I actually got into marketing and specifically online marketing and the timing was right. And so I, I thought, you know, this is something that I have skills with and, finally kind of pulled the trigger on the thing and then kind of just went from there and it was the right timing. It was the right um, preparation that I had. The, the market was right and everything was just perfect for us to pull it off. And so 
we lined it up with a lot of different things. So like you said, when I showed up in at the middle of the day with a box full of stuff from my office, my wife looked at me and it was a familiar look because I'm not just not one of those guys is not very good at holding a job. And so it's because I'm entrepreneurial and because I have the desire to do something a little bit more than just clock in, you know, and clock out. And so show up in the middle of the day, um, the box full of stuff. And my wife, she starts to cry for just a second. And then something happens. She stood up and her face changed. Her whole posture just kind of changed. And then she said, that's it. You're not getting another job. This is it. It's go time. You know, and then she said, jobs aren't helping us get any closer to our dreams. And so we just took that opportunity to just go for it. We realized there were a lot of places that we wanted to check out. There were a lot of um, places we wanted to live. And so we thought, well, this lines up with our values. There's a paying market. Let's go for it. And so it worked out. That's great. So that was kind of when you had the rug swept out from under you and it was like make it or break it time. That was the moment when uh, Cortez burned the ships and there was no return for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Burn the ships we, moment. Yeah, we, it was a total burn the ships moment because over the next day, I mean, to backtrack just a little bit, I would get home from work and I'd catch my wife like closing the laptop real fast. You know, I was like, what are you looking at? And she would be looking at these travel blogs, you know, families that are out there traveling the world. And I was kind of like, well, like that's never going to happen. You know, I mean, I clock out at five o'clock and it takes me forever to get home with traffic. And so that was my mindset. Her mindset is like, she's already gone. She's already like living in Thailand with her, her kids, you know. And so um, we took that. We realized, hey, we do want to check out some places in this world. We do want to see some stuff. And then lined that up with the business, which worked out well because it was online. We could do that. And then we decided we got to go for it. We can't just try and maintain a happy little Orange County lifestyle and then grow this at the same time because our savings would be depleted pretty quickly, you know. And so um, at least trying to maintain that lifestyle there. And so what we did is we sold everything we had. We our rule was if it didn't fit in our car, it didn't come with us. And so we sold our car, or excuse me, we sold everything that we had, kept the car, because that turned into a, our house for a little bit. And then uh, as we cruised up the, the West Coast, and then we ended up in Seattle, because I already had some business contacts up there. And um, we just rented a furnished house up there. And then we were there for a year building the business. And then we went to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. And same thing because we had some contacts and um, kind of family roots there. And then we were there for a year. And then after that, we took off to Cosmo, Mexico for uh, over two and a half years. Sounds like your story is very similar to mine. I didn't have a job that I was working at, but um, I'm from San Diego. And I, I basically said, you know, I'm going to do this no matter what it takes. And then I moved to Mexico as well. Uh, for a couple months, and that was kind of the litmus test. And I realized, you know, I can do this. I can uh, disconnect from the conventional life. You know, I can disconnect from everyone I know, everything I know, and still make this work. And right. just like you, I read The 4-Hour Workweek, and that was a really a paradigm-shifting book, but I felt like it was lacking a little bit in concrete strategies, I guess. Yep, absolutely. Because there was only two examples that I recall, and one was about, like, French T-shirts, 
And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not passionate about French t-shirts. I don't know if that's for me. And there was another one, but I, I don't remember. But there's, the more I talk to guys like you, the more I realize that there are just so many different opportunities for ways to monetize what you're actually interested in. And I'm actually just curious. I want to ask you about your start. You know, you got your first client for, I'm sorry, you, you got your first client for 500 a month. I, want to, I think that's correct. No, 400 a month. And right. in the very first month, you were making 2050 and that's really good because I know that when I started, I was, I was just doing work for free just to pick up skills. Can you tell me about how you got your clients and um, how did you start setting up recurring income? Yeah, exactly, because that's the number one question that people have. And that kind of goes <laughs> back to that Tim Ferriss concept, right? Like, he gets you excited for lifestyle design and lifestyle business and rah, rah, yeah, yeah, let's go do it. It's like, wait what sell t-shirts online huh like you know and so it's kind of like you don't have the fundamentals so the fundamentals for me was we created an online marketing agency and through um, some contacts that I had I actually knew a guy who was a sales guy for a roofing company and he said hey we need to do that you know he and I had climbed a mountain before Mount Shasta up in Northern California and was just in touch with him and he said you know we could use that and so um, he was the first, actually, that company was the first recurring, um, business that I had. And then the very next day they referred me to one of their partners who was like a, a guy that did gutter installations. And that was my second recurring. And then a week before that, I, I should backtrack. Um, I got a, uh, it is through a network, through a friend, they actually had a company and they need a new website. And that was like, it was like 1250 bucks. And I sent over the proposal and, you know, I, I thought that was so much money. And they said, yeah, sure. Price is right. Let's go for it. And I was like, ecstatic, you know, I was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. You know, it works, it works. <laughs> and so. Sean, can you um, tell me what you were doing specifically that um, you were getting recurring income from? You mentioned digital marketing, but can you tell me yeah, what you were doing? So digital marketing was basically, especially back then, it was um, content. So a whole bunch of different things, right? Content marketing, social media was was definitely like everyone thought they needed to be on Facebook. Um, and then um, SEO, of course, and then reputation. So my target uh, was initially like small businesses, anywhere from like two to 10 employees and locally based. And so... Um, I really started to zero in on like home services, like people that are like contractors, roofers, painters, those kind of people. And so for them, having a good website was important. Having good placement in the search engines was important. And then, of course, checking their reputation, making sure they're getting good five stars. And so all of that, those, you know, I mean, we can go even more specific into the actual services, but it was kind of really I wanted to be just a social media management company or agency, you know, but it turned out that after meeting with real business owners who needed more than just, you know, sending out tweets every day, especially for like home services, like nobody cares when you go buy a new roof for 18 grand, you're not going to like follow them on Facebook, you know, yeah. but um, having good you know, having their reviews in place and then having good placement in the search engines, that is a big deal for them, you know, and then of course they need to have a good website. And so pretty quickly it became a more holistic, like online marketing agency, you know, where we handle everything that they need as far as it, you know, the internet goes. So, 
Yeah, it's very obvious, you know, how these businesses get customers, and it's very easy for you to walk in as a partner, you know, shake their hand, sit down with them, and offer them something that's going to help them get leads. Uh, because right. Because these, these businesses you mentioned are home-based. They have pretty high-value leads, like a roofing company, gardening company, painting company, and all of their business comes through local searches, like San Antonio Roofing Company or something like this. Right, yep. Really easy to rank for. And if, if you're a beginner at this stuff, I mean, it's, it's really easy to just walk in and, and offer your services to them because they can't afford like a marketing, they can't work with a marketing agency. They, they probably right. don't have somebody full time to do this for them. But uh, if you can come in as a partner and offer them uh, something that's going to give them a return on their investments, it's no brainer for them. It's easy money for you. And um, what else was I going to say? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, basically, you can just walk in and, and sign a contract. But did you have these skills before you started? I mean, did you were you able to already do all this stuff? Yeah. So, okay. the, like the the last two jobs I had, I had started to already kind of build those skills, and especially the last job that I had, um, it that's where I really started to kind of um, learn the whole world of online marketing and SEO and social media and all that, and so. Fortunately, I already had those skills, but that's not something that should prevent anyone um, from jumping into this because these days we have Google and we have YouTube and we have a million courses and guys like me that are literally checklisting out everything that you need to know <laughs> to do this, you know. And so it was my experience, um, but barely, you know, like I had just learned this stuff maybe, you know, two years previous. And so, um, um, you know, that's kind of my my job experience dumped me out at the right place at the right time. But I'm pretty confident that I could start out today knowing nothing about it and within a week know more than the average business owner enough to create, you know, an online marketing agency around it. So yeah. you could say there's a little bit of a there is a, a little bit of a barrier to entry, but not much. You know, the real barrier to entry will be just executing on it, you know, and just going for it. I remember back, I was in 2009 or so, and I invested in this course. It was $3,500, and I paid, I couldn't afford it, you know, so I paid over six months. Right. And uh, it, it was called Main Street Marketing Machines, and it taught me how to do all of this SEO, all this local optimization, and do it, uh, offer it to business owners. Right. Um, but if, if I was going back, you know, and I'm 30 now, I'm, I have a little more experience, I would just, like, really immerse myself in what I want to offer and uh, study everything I can, and then... I think, you know, after a couple of weeks of just immersing yourself in it, then you can start to offer it to the right type of client. But uh, you have to make sure that you have the right uh, product market fit. So if, exactly. I was, if I was offering social media marketing, like I probably wouldn't target those same companies that you mentioned. I, I would really give them, I would offer them local SEO, paid advertising. But if I want to do like social media marketing, I would target maybe authors or uh, coaches, you know, people who get their leads yeah. virtually sports teams or yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, not, not people who just, you know, are local based businesses. And, uh, exactly. those, those are really easy to find. I, I, I'm actually planning to offer productized services then because you can get them all online. You don't have to walk into their office and be location dependent to get those kinds right. of things. Right. Cool stuff. So I think, I think that's an important distinction for anyone who's, you know, wanting to start out and wanting to become a consultant and, and offer these kind of services. So what should we jump into next, Sean? What, what do you like to talk about next? Uh, we have a couple different ways we can go, uh, can go in this. Well, one thing I know that people always have a question is, is like, how did you build it? And 
So, I mean, after that first question is how did you actually get your first paying clients? And that was just through my own network, you know? And, um, then another thing I did was I went, I did this face to face. And so I treated it almost, even though it's all online and I was working from home and the whole thing, I treated it kind of like as if I had a brick and mortar, you know? And so I was going to a networking group. I was shaking people's hands. I was Seattle. So I was going to a million different Starbucks and meeting with people and, (laughs) um, going to pretty much every networking thing I could. And so that first year really laid the groundwork. Um, and I'm super grateful for the hustle that I put in because, um, the clients that I signed up and even the people that I met, they still feed me referrals to this day. You know, like a month ago, I signed up a new client that was a referral from someone I knew that I met six years ago, you know? And so in this business, if, if you can get to that kind of that no like trust factor with people, once they think like, Oh, I've got my online guy, you know, I've got my agency that I can work with. They just refer you out like crazy, you know? And so, um, I mean, even right now I don't do any active outbound marketing. My blog hasn't probably been updated in, in forever. And, you know, stuff like that, but it's because I have business coming in via referrals and, um, and it's grown, let's call it organically that way, you know, actually for the last few years. So even when we, we took off to Cosmo, I thought, oh man, we're going to take a little bit of a hit, but it's okay. You know, but it actually, the business grew, you know, and it grew because of that ground, that foundation that I, that I put in, you know, on the first and second year when I was meeting people both in Seattle and in the Bay Area. So that's, that's kind of usually so the next question. Time consuming. I would never do that stuff again, but that's the same way that I started. And I was going to these networking meetings. It's kind of like, I think it's called BNI. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you go there at 7 a.m. every once a week or something, and uh, for like an hour or two, everyone's like, Oh, I just passed along referrals to Sean, and Sean yeah. two referrals to Jerry, and <laughs> and I, I see these people who are in these groups, and they're you know sixty five years old, and I'm like, I'm Ugh. not sitting in this group for forty years. Yeah, I need to find exactly. something else to do. Uh, but that's that's one way to get started. But I would I wouldn't go that route again. I think. But uh, let me ask you. So there are some definite hurdles to setting up this kind of business. I think the first one is people lack confidence. Confidence right. that they can actually get results and confidence that they can uh, price enough for their services. Right. Were you just naturally confident or how, how did you, how, what do you advise people? I don't know, man. I think you just <laughs> be cool. <laughs> like that's my general rule of networking. And, and when you're talking to people is, is just be cool, you know, and, and being cool by what I mean is like, Ask them questions, get to know their business, like get to know, you know, what challenges they're having in their business. Ask questions that are, you know, great marketing questions or questions like, you know, well, what are you doing online and, and what's not working well online and, and what's not yet perfect about your business, stuff like that, you know, and it really opens people up and then they tell you everything that you need to know. They tell you their problems, you know, and then you're just thinking, okay, yeah, you know, and at the end you think, you say, yeah, we can, you know, definitely help you out. And uh, by then they've talked so much. You've asked them a lot of open-ended questions. They've talked so much. They just like you, you know, it's ironic. Like you just ask some good key questions and then people end up liking you. And so um, you don't really have to like know everything, but I, like you said, 
with if you spent just a couple of weeks, I mean, even just a solid week of being online, learning this stuff, maybe taking a couple of courses, maybe just plowing into like some look up something like, you know, online marketing for coaches or or soccer teams or roofing companies or whatever it is, and then you really dive into what these companies are offering, then you'll pretty quickly come up with, okay, this is what people are doing, so this must be what works, and then you can come up with your own offer that way. In fact, when I put together my packages on my website, I was probably modeling those packages off of like 30 other different companies, you know, similar companies, and I was kind of seeing how they structured it, and really kind of came up with a model of my own, you know, and then, um, and then the stuff actually works, you know, you, you put in some time and you, you put in some effort and then Google recognizes it and they're moving up in the page ranks and, and, you know, everyone's happy. It's a win across the board. <laughs> so start uh, benchmarking and mimic the people who are already succeeding. Right. Yeah. I guess so, that works if if you're that works because you're meeting with these people face to face, and uh, the companies that you're imitating can't actually reach these people the way that you are. Right. So I mean, yeah. to to at least get started, mm-hmm. I didn't go after like you know I wasn't like Vayner Media or something. I'm not going after like NBA and NHL as my clients. You know, <laughs> I was going after like. Joe Johnson, the owner of the local painting company in, you know, Walnut Creek, California kind of thing. And so um, there's a ton of like business that the big guys overlook, you know, and so but yet you can still grow an actual online marketing agency to a pretty, you know, sizable amount. And then that opens up to bigger and better businesses, you know, so you can move from the smaller businesses into bigger, um, more specific businesses. That's a great point that you brought up. I hadn't even considered that. But I, was, I used to do the same thing when um, I would do web design. I would look at this. I had kind of this business crush on this agency. It was called Jacob Tyler. Okay. And they're in San Diego. It's jacobtyler.com. And I would look at their portfolio and just look at you know the kind of work that they were doing. And I think that was a big part of my success because I was able to reproduce designs that were on the same level for uh, – an alarm security, a local like alarm security company, or right, know, some, right, some small company, but but able to to deliver kind of the same quality work that this big agency was doing. Yeah, and I mean that's a big key point too, because a lot of people will think, oh, I want to start a lifestyle business, and and whether it's following their dreams or the passions or whatever, like, um, but it's like you don't need to get original. You don't need to like do any market research or product testing or anything. You just find somebody who's already doing it and then emulate them, you know? And so, and if there's a whole industry like this industry, online marketing agencies, there's a lot of people doing it. So obviously there must be something to it, you know? So you find one or two, like you're talking about, like that company in San Diego, you just find a couple of them that you like, and then you model them. You know, you re- if they don't have their packages or their prices listed, you just think, you know, okay, what could I get? You know, and as you start to talk to real people and listen to their budgets, then you'll get a real feel, you know, you'll get a feel real fast about, you know, what you can do. But I think everyone thinks they put so much emphasis on, I've got to be original. I've got to come up with this great idea and everyone wants to do the new latest app or everyone wants to be the Instagram or something, you know, and, and 
that stuff's great. But in the meanwhile, I'm just going to go emulate what somebody else is doing and then do it myself, you know? So, um, I mean, I've already got a few other ideas of maybe things that I want to do and none of them are original. They're just stuff that I've seen that I think I could do just a little bit better, you know? So, um, and then apply some online marketing to them as well, you know? So this model that we've been discussing, it's great if you want to start a service business and pick up clients. Uh, looking at where I'm at now, I don't think I would do it this way because you're kind of still beholden to the client. Right. You're, you're still kind of catering to their wants, and um, that makes it a little bit hard to, to kind of systemize it. I feel like now right. that I have kind of a platform, I have a mailing list, I have a blog and a podcast that I can just say, I can do productized services. I can say, I'm going to offer this, and it's this is the price, this is what you're going to get, and... You know, I'll, I'll only open this up for maybe five to ten people. And, right, and right. basically they sign up. And it basically it just relieves a lot of the stress for me because uh, I, I, what we're talking about is great if, if you have no platform, if you have no audience, if you want to get started. But then you, you still have to, to submit something for the, to the client for approval. And they'll say, no, I want to, you know, revise this. Um, speaking of, like, design as an example. Uh, but I think it's a great way to get started. And... Um, I want to talk about, there's a few different ways I, I can go here, but I want to ask you about how do you create the really compelling offer to get your clients? Mm, that's interesting. Um, Sorry, we're kind well, of going so many, all over the place here with this interview. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so many of them now, I would say probably 90% of all new clients come in via referrals. And so okay. they're already pre-sold, you know, um, in fact, one of my favorite clients of all time, she owns a hair salon in Walnut Creek, which is, you know, just east of San Francisco. And I call her a power client because I literally will ship her business cards, my business cards to her salon. And then she has them on her little station. And then all of her hairstylists know um, to refer that people to me. And so the, a lot of the people that come into her salon are business owners and they're like my ideal client, you know? And so, um, I have people like her out there, like doing their recruiting for me, you know? And so, um, the really compelling offer is someone like her saying, Hey, here's this card. You need to call this guy. Cause he's going to help you get more business, uh, with the internet, you know, or being online, he's going to get your phone ringing more. And so, um, if I were to start actually marketing myself online these days, I would lead much more with um, actually, you know, showing some results and showing this is what we do to help get results for people. And it's evolved over the years, right? Like when when I first started, you could put up a blog post on WordPress, like you know, five things you should know about roofing in San Francisco and it would rank on the home on the first page for those keywords like that day you know and then like a year later it, it was all about videos and then you know and it's evolved over the years but um the really compelling offer really is just demonstrating the results of how we've gotten current and past clients more business as a result of working you know with us so it really the results are the results and then, um, you know, just that, that, I mean, that's actually the proof. I mean, when you, when you demonstrate results like that, it's kind of like, okay, well, then it's just a matter of if you've priced your packages according to their budget, you know, like if it matches their budget, 
then they sign up. If it doesn't, you know, then they're not your ideal client because, you know, you need to be very careful about how you price your packages so that you can actually have a profitable business, have your team do, do all the work and then still be able to grow, you know? Okay. So the first thing you mentioned is that you're getting a lot of warm leads. So these are hot prospects, right? They're all coming in through referrals. And uh, you also mentioned creating content catered for local SEO, such as, um, Five things roofing companies can do to market themselves in San Francisco. Sure, right. I yeah. think another one is you could probably do is like mistakes roofers make when they're marketing in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's always compelling when you point out mistakes that they're doing that they don't even realize. Right, yeah. Yeah. There. I mean, there's lots of – when I first started, I would actually lead with doing some work for them for free. And I'd show them, hey, look, this is what we could do for you, you know, and – um, like sampling, you know, like Costco's got it right. When you're walking down the aisles and, you know, they're <laughs> handing you out little samples. It's like, Ooh, how much is that? $50 for the box. All right, cool. You know? And so, um, if you can do a little bit of sampling, at least initially until you get everything kickstarted, because again, this, this particular industry or this particular business is pretty word of mouth friendly. I think once business owners kind of latch on to you, then, you know, I mean, if you're cool, at least you don't, you shouldn't have any problem, you know, getting and get some results for them. Then, then it's pretty word of mouth friendly, you know, referral friendly. I think part of the problem is a lot of these businesses are a little bit distrustful of what it is that we do as far as online marketing is concerned. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some of them are, have been burned in the past. Yep. Um, exactly. I know, and I know that I want to ask you about that too, but one thing I always look for when I was qualifying prospects, cause you mentioned that, you know, some, are, a lot of them are going to waste your time, obviously, but I, I wanted to check, do, does this company actually hire people? You know, do they actually have, do they hire teams? Do they have people that work for them full time, depending on them for their income? Because I found that the clients, you know, that maybe a massage therapist or something, but she doesn't actually hire some, anyone so she's really going to be really difficult to work with, I find. Yep. But yep. if it's a company that already has, you know, 10 people on their sales floor, then it's going to be really easy. You know, you can create your own position within that company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my first year, I I figured out pretty quickly, like in my course, I, I feel like I just talk about that a lot, like figuring out your niche or your target, um, your target clients, because... I spent so much time talking to massage therapists or life coaches or, you know, whoever, all these people that are maybe like a company of one, you know, and, and they don't have money. They, they desperately want to do all that online marketing and stuff, but they don't have like 500, 750, thousand bucks, 1500 a month. They don't have that budget, you know, set aside to, to grow their business. And so really, you don't even have to niche by industry as long as you niche by like revenue, you know, or like you said, are they hiring people? Then that's a good indicator that, you know, the, they get it, you know, and they probably have a budget set aside. And so, um, that's a key point is just to take a look at, you know, maybe what their revenue is or at least their company size. And that's simple. If you're networking and, um, you meet somebody, Oh, how many people are in your business? Oh, we've got uh, eight people now. Oh, that's a good, that's a, that's a green light. You know, if it's like, Oh, we, it's just me. Mm, that's a little bit of a red light, you know, at least a yellow light <laughs> until you ask some more qualifying questions, you know? Um, so, 
So, yeah. And then as far as the transparency goes, that, that is actually a big deal. Like that, you know, there's some things that I've learned in, in, um, in my own business is that you just, as long as you're completely transparent you show everything that you're doing, um, I send reports to all of our clients on the last business day of the month, or excuse me, it's actually the first business day of each month. And they get a report listing out everything that we've done and ideally some results that we've gotten for them as well. And so I think, honestly, most of the clients don't even read the reports. But the fact that we're sending them, I think they appreciate that, you know. And so, um, you know, as long as their phone is ringing and they're getting leads coming in online, you know, they're happy. So, um, but I never lead was talking about like SEO because every business owner, it seems, has had that experience where they spent like, you know, four grand for some company and they were like based in India and they got them on the homepage for the first day. And then they got that Google slap, you know, and, and they got buried on page 80. And so every, you know, a lot of business owners have had that kind of experience, but if you can show them that they're in control, that, um, we get involved as little or as much as they like, you know, and, and then you're very transparent with everything that really helps, you know, big time actually. So one of the most frustrating things is when you meet with these people and you have this, maybe have lunch with them, long conversation, and uh, they say, send me your proposal, and then you send it to them, and then you never hear from them again afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, what's the best way to prompt them to make that buying decision, to move the interaction forward, to signing that contract and eliminating the buyer resistance? With what we do, like me personally, I'll only follow up three times. So I'll send that proposal. And then I consider that my first touch. If I don't hear anything from, if I don't hear back from them, I'll do a second email, like a week later, like I just forward the email that I already sent, you know. And then the third time, um, I'll do a phone call. So I give three people three chances, and then that phone call is like a week later. If they're really hot, like I really wanted them as a as a client, then maybe I will follow up like a month later. And I have had people, and I've learned my lesson to do that because I have had people that were just genuinely, seriously busy, you know, and they just didn't get around to it. They were a hot client or a hot prospect, but they just didn't get around to it. And so when you follow up, you know, that does work. And then otherwise, if you, if I don't hear back from them, um, and I maybe not, don't care as much for them as a client, then, um, I just generally let, let it slide, maybe send an email in like two months or so, maybe with an article or something that would be applicable for them. But that's it. Generally speaking, I've found that people don't contact you back because either one, they're really busy, which doesn't mean they're not interested if you follow up right and whatever, like I just said, but, or two, the price just wasn't right for them, you know? And so, um, that's why I say, if you have your, if you have your packages or your prices set based on what you want, and they don't go for it, well, then they're not your ideal client because, you know, they're not, they're not going for the price. So those are generally the two reasons. They're either busy or it's just not, you know, it's a question of budget. So, Yeah, so a couple things there. I find that um, sometimes I get, like to get creative with the price, you know, so I'll say that um, I think the importance is to present it to them as a fair price. So sometimes I'll say I'll charge them by the week, by the week instead of by the month, for example, and I'll right. say, this is what you're going to get every week. You know, you're going to get 10 hours of this every week. 
or something of this every week. Or um, I'll say, you know, I'm going to make sure that you get at least this. If, you do, if we don't get to the goal, you only have to pay me half. But you're going to get at right. least this, and I'm going to over-deliver on what I'm promising you. Right. And as far as, like, assessing clients, I tend to find, like, just recently I posted in some Facebook group because I offer this product as service, and um, I got a few leads from that. And one guy is just, like, you know, asking me all these questions and do you have a website where I can find out more info and all this stuff? And I was like, you know what? You don't really seem interested. It's, it's fine. You know, good luck with your business. And I just kind of killed that. I, I killed that interaction basically prematurely because I knew that this guy is not going to be a good client. And I had other leads, you know, that, that were more interested. They said, yeah, this is, it looks like a really good value. But this guy was asking me all these qualifying questions. Like I'm some, you know, intern fresh out of college or something like this. And, you know, I'm like, I look, these are what I'm, this is what I'm going to offer you. This is the price. You know, if, if you don't like it, then sorry, um, you know, next. And I, I just, I think, I think it's really important to kind of just follow your gut because I've gotten Absolutely. leads that are just so bad and they, they just want to like <laughs> put you through the ringer. Yeah. Like it, if they're already doing that, I mean, I get it. If I'm a business owner, right, especially with these, all these little hotshot online marketing guys like you and me out there, you know, like. Um, promising the world and, and first page of Google and, and 20 new phone calls a day and stuff like that. I get it. Like you're going to be a little skeptical, but if you can tell that somebody's just kind of, uh, you just don't want, you just get a, a bad feeling in your gut. Like I'm a big believer now based on experience of just going with your gut. There have been times where I've ignored my gut because maybe it was a nice paycheck or something and I regretted it, you know. There's no dollar amount that can make up for a sucky client, you know. So um, that's definitely <laughs> something, especially when you're starting out, you want to take everybody, you know. You just want to bring on everybody because you're trying, you're hungry and you're trying to grow. Um, but if you just trust your gut, it'll help, you know. In fact, one of the students I've been working with, um, he had one client and he didn't want to let go of them because it was a nice little extra bonus for him every month or is it, you know, he still has a job, but he's working on growing his, his online marketing business. And I said, if you, if it's just hell to work with them, just let them go, man. I promise it'll open you up to getting more business and the whole thing. And he did. And he told me he felt so much better after he did it, you know? And so, um, you know, that's one thing is, is you want to take on everybody. You want to be hungry, but you also, kind of got to be picky, you know, and this is your business. You're not trying to get a job. If you want to have sexy people to work with, go get a job and then you have a boss and then that sucks again, you know, but, um, but you know, this is your business and you can, and even though you're trying to grow, you can still be selective in who who you work with, you know? And I think it's much better if you're not desperate on these interactions for uh, sustenance. If you have a plan B, I, I would say, if oh, absolutely. A, a job or something that's bringing income, like even an Airbnb or something. Right. That, yeah. <laughs> then then I mean, you can people take that have jobs properly qualify the clients. But um, I think it's, it's much better that way uh, when you're not desperate. Uh, because I think when you're starting out, when you're, you're just kind of figuring everything out, it's, it's not really about taking risks. It's about mitigating risks, I think. Right. Until, until you can find a groove. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let's, uh, let's transition a little bit here. I want to ask you, what are some of the tools that you use in this business? Cause you mentioned that on your, uh, Udemy page. Yeah, it's actually pretty simple. So everything is our website, which is built on WordPress and then, um, Dropbox 
and asana. And that's like the process, you know. So um, let's say, for example, a new client signs up with the package. Um, so while everything is custom tailored, or at least it says that it's custom tailored, it kind of is, but it really externally, I mean, it kind of is, but internally how we work, it's pretty much one of three game plans, one of three packages, right? And so um, let's say a client signs up with package B, then they are taken to a form on the website, and that form um, then comes in the – it goes to an email, which is then put all that information is put in Dropbox, and then that kickstarts the workflow in Asana, and then voila, we have the first month's work um, for one of my team members to do. And so it's really – I mean, simple always wins, you know, and so – um, it's really those three things, the website, I mean, I guess technically counting email too, but then Dropbox and Asana. So, and do you use the forms like, uh, Google forms? Is that right? Yeah. The, the form that, or the, it's called actually visual form builder, which is a WordPress plugin, you know, that we use. So, um, and that makes it a it's a nice clean form, easy to use. There's another one that's really popular for WordPress, like Contact Form Seven, but it's kind of clunky, you know. And so there's some better ones, and there's some even better paid options. But the the Visual Form Builder plugin for WordPress has been perfect, like for years, you know. So okay, cool. So what's um, like if you want to start offering services? I mean, do you use what do you use for the deliverables? Like, do you have software that you use? What are you big on? That's uh, working for you marketing wise um i mean that you could use I, either for your business or uh that you could freelance out um what do you mean for the clients or like what services are we actually performing um yeah i mean is there any tools that you use like uh to streamline things or um how, how, how do you deliver the value to the client Right. So first of all, you know, with each package that we have, we have a set list of, of actual services that we do. So there are okay. tangible, real things that we're doing every month, whether it's, you know, local SEO or, or checking the reviews and replying if needed uh, or social media, whatever it is based on the client. And so right away, they're guaranteed that we are actually doing stuff, not just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've got your online marketing taken care of. Don't worry about it, you know. We're actually, there's like tangible things that we are doing. And then the follow-up in, in every report are some of the results. So we're also tracking results, you know. So um, there's a lot of great tools out there. There's um, Moz, of course, has some great tools. Raven SEO. There's um, Bright Local, which is actually, you know, really super great for um, for local SEO stuff. Um and then um, those are just some some tools to help kind of gauge things. And then, um, honestly, the best indicator for the client, regardless of anything that we say, is the phone calls that they get. And there, are, I know there are some companies out there that will even, like, monitor the phone calls. Um, and there's technology that allows you to do that. But the, the phone calls and then the emails that come in via the their websites, you know, and so... Um, I personally get copied on every email that goes into every uh, client website just because I like to keep tabs. You know, I like to see, you know, what's working. And so regardless of any services that you offer or any report that you give, the end 
you know, at the end of the month, the client is just going to think, well, did I have more phone calls this month? Did I have more emails, leads or not? You know, and so, um, you know, that's the best. That's what they want more than anything is just find a way to get them more leads. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, regardless, some clients like to get a little more involved than others. Um, but, you know, most of them I found are just like, just get my phone ringing, you know? So, um, what so, I, yeah. What I'm curious to know is, do you have any hacks that you use to gain leverage and make your business smarter so that you, you don't have to work a whole bunch of hours? Yeah, team. You've got to get a team and a system. I mean, okay. that's, that's it. It boils down to those two things. I guess technically first the system, which, you know, I... I already said it. It's, it's it's actually pretty easy. It's just um, you know, uh, you get your packages together, and then you have your Asana and your Dropbox all set up and working together, and then you have your team. And I was a dummy, you know, for the first year of the business, I was just so dumb because I would, you know, I'd get a check and I'd want to keep all of it, you know, because I was, you know, we're living off savings, and I, you know, was trying to put food on the table the whole thing. And, you know, so if I made a thousand bucks, I wanted to keep that. And so, um, I didn't want to give it to, you know, some outsourced guy in India to do this thing. And, and it's part of a control thing. And like a lot of entrepreneurs like kind of have that perfectionist kind of thing, you know, and, uh, Chris Ducker, the guy that wrote virtual freedom, he's a cool guy. He talked about it's a, a superhero or Superman syndrome, you know, where you, you think you can do it all. And you probably can, but it'll slow your, it'll stunt your growth. And so for me, same thing. I was literally going out and doing sales in the morning and then coming home and doing all the work myself into the evening, you know, and um, sometimes really late nights. And my wife was cool with it for a while because she knew we were growing a business and the whole thing. But when we moved to the Bay Area, um, you know, I was, a lot of, I was around a lot of people that were doing startups. I mean, everyone in the Bay Area, even if they have a job, they're doing some startup on the side. You know, and it's just how it is. But I really started to, like, take the whole concept of outsourcing seriously. I was already doing some stuff with Fiverr, and I'd poked around a little bit with Elance. But, you know, one of my friends just finally convinced me. He's like, Sean, just do it. Just pay someone to do something the next time you have something big. And I think the next time something big was like a logo and I suck at graphic design. And so I just paid this guy to do it. And he did in like an hour, what would have taken me like a week following YouTube videos and Photoshop tutorials and stuff like that, you know, and it blew my mind. And was, then I kind of started getting addicted, like, well, what else can I outsource, you know? And, um, and so if you have that team or that system in place and kind of like a work process, like which can literally be just like a checklist of what needs to get done, then you start plugging people into that. That's where, you know, you're going to experience the real growth, you know? And so, yep. I mean, it boils down to a system and a team really. And that's really the equation there that you just, uh, encompassed in that answer is, uh, when you have the client and they're, you have profitable clients and they're paying you on a recurring basis, you're delivering them results, and then you're able to outsource the actual labor to someone who's, uh, I guess, a little bit better at doing it than you are, that's, right. that's, that's when you're looking at a 10-hour work week and you're massively profitable. So yeah, yeah. Where did and you that's hire about these people where from? I'm at, too. Uh, in my main business, I work 
you know, about five to 10 hours a week. So mm-hmm. if I really wanted to, I could, I could even shave time off that. Um, there's just a couple of clients that I personally even do some of the work for that. I just like to, cause I like them and <laughs> you know, so, um, but I really could shave that. It could, it could really realistically be a four hour work week. You know, it's not just something that Tim Ferriss, you know, sold a lot of book books with because it's a great title like you really can get to that point it takes some hustle and a lot of work at the beginning you know like anything um you're not going to just wake up tomorrow with a four-hour work week you know but um (laughs) but it's totally realistic you know i i love where i'm at now because i have enough experience that i can just like come up with an idea and then i'll just learn about it and then i can just i'll just pitch it on like a facebook group or something and then i can get clients like right away uh, right, but it took me a long time to get to this point. I wasn't working, you know, four uh, four hours a week to to learn the skills that I know now. Um, yeah, but I wanted to add though that uh, you don't even have to hire someone. You could you could out like you could white label services. Like I have a friend who has a link network uh, for SEO, and um, you know he would charge maybe like one hundred fifty dollars a month for that. But then I would I could offer like a, a package to my client where I'm creating content for them, and I have a writer who writes five articles for $35 and then the, the client might pay like $750 for this or a thousand dollars, but they're ranking for number one for really competitive keyword term. And I'm just kind of right. putting the package together for them. Uh, so how do you find your people? Like you, you just go through Odesk and you just put up a job offer. Yep. Odesk. Yeah. And then I've actually had a very good Upwork luck. Now, actually. Yeah. Upwork. Yeah. It was Odesk back in the day. <laughs> and then, um, um, and then I've had really good luck with actual, um, it's Chris Ducker's, it's called virtual staff finder. And I think it's like 500 bucks now. Um, but it, they're basically like headhunters or like a staffing agency for, you know, people like us. So like you tell them exactly what you're looking for, what kind of candidate you're looking for. And they send you back three people and, you know, you can hire one of them or all of them, you know, it's up to you. And so, um, um, most of them are based out of the Philippines. My, my assistant, my personal assistant, he's based out of the Philippines. Um, and his name's Michael. And actually when I got on Skype with him, you know, when I was interviewing, this is like four plus years ago. Um, I was, I was saying, hello, Michael, how are you? I you know, I wanted to do like perfect English kind of thing. And he's like, Hey Sean, how's it going? I'm like, Hired, <laughs> you know, because if I wanted to talk into American clients, U.S. clients, uh, I didn't want it to be, you know, I didn't want there to be any accent, especially with a lot of uh, the clients I have. I didn't want there to be any like, hey, who am I talking to? Some guy in India, you know, like, so um, you can get really good quality people that whether it's through Upwork or through, you know, a staffing agency or, or even just Craigslist. I have one of my friends has had great luck just by posting in Craigslist in Manila, you know. And so um, <laughs> there's a lot of good quality people out there that know their stuff, you know. Yeah, I find Upwork to be fantastic. I used, you mentioned virtual staffbinder.ph. Right. I used onlinejobs.ph, a similar kind of job board, but I find uh, Upwork yeah. to be excellent. Yeah. Uh, and, and Filipinos are really, really funny. I, I spent some time in the Philippines and they're really, you know, they refer to everyone as sir or, uh-huh. or mom. They say mom. <laughs> right. And, 
they're just they're really polite the way that they address you and um you know, it's like, uh, why don't my American workers talk to me that way? You know, <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I find I found it was just a really great experience just to hire someone, uh, even a virtual assistant, and just just to get in the get into the habit. You know, uh, learn how to get the training wheels to uh, outsource stuff. And I think I worked with a, like I had a college student that worked for me for less than two hundred dollars a month. Uh, right, doing a bunch of stuff. I mean, some of the most successful people I know are the people that know how to delegate really well, you know, and they know to spend their time on their highest leveraged activities. And like as a business owner, I mean, I'm a Mark Cuban fan, you know, and like that guy is like notorious for saying your number one job as a business owner is to drive revenue, like period, not to do logo designs, not to do QuickBooks or anything like that. It's to drive revenue, you know, and so... Um, you know, I think I would add, like, create the system and put a team in place. Those are your most important things. And then, then you just rock and roll, you know, and then you're free to go travel the world, even with the family, you know? So if, if that's your thing, I mean, I was trying to stress that, like, that's what we wanted to do, but it's not for everybody, you know, like you're in Thailand right now. That's awesome. And that's, that's cool. There's maybe people out there listening that are, you know, in their apartment in like North Dakota, they're like, I don't care about Thailand, but, but they want to wake up on a Monday morning and not have to go to a job. You know, they, maybe they don't want to shovel snow off their car, you know? So, um, we live in such a great day and age where you, you can literally learn something on the internet for free and go apply it in real life and make money and then live a lifestyle that you dreamed about, you know? So, I mean, I literally, I don't mean to rant on this, but I literally had a screensaver on my desktop that was like this tropical island picture, you know, I think it's like a default Microsoft screensaver. And I just used to daydream like what it would be like to to be on that little island with my feet in the warm water. And then a few years later, I was living it. I was actually taking those pictures because that's where I lived, you know, and so that's like where we're at in this day and age. It's, it's just awesome. So you created a strong purpose for yourself that you could remind yourself of daily, uh, that would motivate you to, to work and, and to make this reality. Yeah. And don't talk down on Thailand either. Cause it's, it's pretty freaking <laughs> awesome here. It's much better than shoveling snow. Oh yeah. I know. I'm just saying for those guys that maybe are like, like you and I love travel and we love to see, you know, different places and even live in different places. There's a lot of guys out there that, you know, I have a good friend who's like, well, yeah, we like to go on vacation, but we don't really care about living in another country like you guys do. But, you know, like their dream is just to have a cabin in Colorado, you know? And so whatever it is that, that, you know, floats your boat, that's, that's your purpose. That's what you're working for. You know, for me, I had a wife who said, I want to live on a tropical island. <laughs> like a lot of, you know, people say, oh, I want a new house or I want a new car or something. She was saying, I want to live on a tropical island. And, and preferably, I want to learn a new language, too. So that's what we did, you know, and, and it lined up with what I wanted to do. It worked well with our kids, you know, and so, you know, that's what we did. But I think now we live in such a cool time that you really can pick what you want to do. And, you know, do it. You can create a business to finance your lifestyle, you know. 
Yes, and we've basically gone through the entire process during this interview, um, going back, you know, one, two, three, four, five, uh, the steps we, we discussed. First, you really want to educate yourself on what you can offer, you know, become an expert. And then the second thing you, you recommended was setting up informational interviews with potential clients to just ask them about their business and see how you yep. can provide value and then kind of just determine that product market fit. You know, like if it's a home-based business, they need to be performing local SEO. Uh, three, create an offer with a price that's fair. Um, yep. And then once you've stabilized your revenue streams, and that's the moment you need to, to hire somebody immediately to, uh, to outsource the labor. Absolutely. That's pretty much it in a nutshell right there, right? Yeah, yeah. So the next thing, I guess, you know, taking this to the next level is scaling up and then also breaking that chain of selling time, trading time. Right. So as far as like scaling up goes, I mean, really, it's just hammering. Um, it, you can scale, like a business like this, you can scale up as big as you want. You can keep it at like $50,000 a year of net income for you. Or you can grow it to something that's like five hundred thousand or more. You know, it's really how um, how much how that meshes with your lifestyle. You know, and so um, for my wife and I, we started hitting um, five figures in our second year of the business. Once I kind of like got wise to the whole like building a team concept, and then. You know, that was really encouraging too. And then that let me kind of focus on some bigger clients. And then finally, kind of the time came for us to kind of, you know, take off. And we we're finally ready to just go do and see some cool stuff. But, um, but scaling up really is, again, it goes back to having that system in place, which can really literally be like a checklist. There, uh, when I say system, I don't mean some fancy thing like McDonald's has. I mean, just literally a checklist or using the sauna, you know, to checklist everything out that you need and then just getting good people to do the work. And as you pick up more staff or excuse me, more clients and you just add more staff as you need to, you know? So, um, <clears throat> there are, there are big online marketing agencies. There are huge ones that have like, you know, I see a lot of them here locally in California that have like 50 employees. And I remember my first year in the business, um, you know, I would drive past this empty, biz, uh, bit, you know, office space. And I thought, oh man, wouldn't it be cool to have like 30, 20 year old college students all with their MacBooks, just typing away, you know, doing social media, SEO, all that stuff. And I'm like the cool boss guy that comes out on a Friday afternoon is like, okay, everybody it's pizza time, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> and then I realized that's just not part of you know, that wasn't part of our dream lifestyle. You know, that would keep me very much like grounded there, you know, and being a boss. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of bosses personally. And I, why would I want to be one, you know? And even if I'm Mr. Cool Boss, like, you know, that just didn't mesh well with my lifestyle. If I take off to Cosmo even for a month, you know, then I feel like, you know, when the cat's away kind of thing. And so, um, that just wasn't part of my lifestyle. So I really, you know, wanted to have, um, a virtual team besides you keep costs down that way. There's so many advantages to it, but, um, yeah, you know. a lot of people like you, you, you have to realize that you don't have to create a huge business. I mean, you don't need to get 
50 clients, you can get three or four clients and be earning, you know, 40,000, 50,000 a year. Right. Outsourcing most of the labor because, you know, if you have three, four clients paying you $1,000 a month, I mean, that's enough money to replace your job easily. Right. And then yeah. you, and you say, okay, that's it. <laughs> I don't, I don't, okay, maybe I'll take one more client, but at least you can be selective right. about it. Right. I mean, especially, too, based on your lifestyle, you know, if you want to live in downtown New York or downtown San Francisco, then obviously, you know, you need to make revenue or your your personal income match that. So you need to hustle a little more. If, you know, like if you're a single guy and you're living in Thailand, you know, you don't need to bring in a million dollars a year in, in revenue, you know. So um, it really goes back to it, the concept of a lifestyle business and creating an online marketing agency as, as an example of a lifestyle business, it really goes back to your own values and goals. You know, like how much do you really want to have and how much do you want to make and how much do you need to make? And in most cases, especially, you know, you know, Americans were conditioned to, you know, hit that six figures and then after that, then you go for half a million and then, you know, you keep going for more. And it's like, eh, maybe you don't need that much, you know. So if you're in London, yeah, you need a little more, you know. But, um, you know, Southeast Asia, not as much. But then, you know, thinking about all that stuff, there's a whole bunch of things to consider, you know. But um, yeah. it really goes back to your values and your own, you know, your own goals, you know. I think people are becoming so smart these days about their values and what they really want in life. It's it's just so much different than it was ten years ago. Like we were all kind of sheep with wool over our eyes. Or I'm sorry, yeah. that's a really bad metaphor. <laughs> we're all kind of just sheep, you know, like blind blindly uh, going about it. But then the book like the Four Hour Workweek came along and realized that you know there was a different paradigm. It ch- changed our paradigm, and now there's a bunch of podcasts like this one um, that are showing people that this is possible, and they're really starting to ask these questions and. Uh, no better example than, you know, a place like Orange County, which is just so suburban and, you know, right. so many houses that all look the same. And it's like, is this really <laughs> what, I, what I want? Where I want? Is this what I want for my life? Uh, and I, you, you said no. And, yeah, and ironically, we're back. We're back here in Southern California <laughs> because we thought that we needed to be. And so when we were in London, the, it, this was like the last day of our, like, foreign adventure right is the last day we're in downtown london piccadilly circus like we're sitting there and we're all sad even my girls you know we're sad because tomorrow the day, the next day we were flying back to fort lauderdale to the united states to buy a car and drive across the country back to california and go be normal again <laughs> you know and so like we were sad and i was like okay this is it we're putting it up to a vote like Girls, what do you think? And they all voted. I said, do you want to do Disneyland and family? And I tried to make it as objective as possible, you know, but like Disneyland and family and, and stuff. Or do you want to go back to Mexico and eat, you know, tacos and blah, blah, blah. And, and they all voted for uh, California. And then my wife, she voted to go back to Mexico. And then I voted for California just because like the girls did. And I just thought we needed this time. And little did I know that we would get bored like it's so we had like you know it's it's a very good life but it's also very like normal you know and and as you said all the houses look the same like our neighborhood looks you know it's that taupe color on every single house and it's just like it's a very good life and a lot of people like this life but for us we feel like it's just a little um 
you know, it's missing some spice, you know. So <laughs> I love that you so, already have your preteen daughters all plugged into the lifestyle design and location independence. Yeah. And in fact, we voted as a family because it's a, you know, we're, we're trying to be pretty conscientious parents, you know. Um, and we're going back. I think we're, we're taking off in the fall as and And so um, we had uh, New Zealand, Hawaii, Barcelona, and Playa del Carmen on the list. And so, and we just kind of, we did kind of a process of elimination of where do we want to go in the world and where do we want to be and where we, you know, what about the girls' education and stuff like that. And so by a process of elimination, we ended up on back in Playa del Carmen, which is ironic because that's like on the mainland, just south of Cancun, you know, not too far from Cozumel. And it's like, wait a minute, we've already been... You know, we've already been to Mexico. Why don't we do somewhere else? But for now, at least for the next little while, that's what we're going to do. You know, so. Um, is the lifestyle and, difficult for the children? I mean, is it hard for them to make friends and stuff? No, that's the thing, too. Like, um, I mean, when we were there before, we had them in a private school and they made friends and they learned Spanish, which was awesome. My two older kids are bilingual, which is, I think, awesome, especially for this world that we're moving into where it's much more of a like you know world is flat kind of thing um just having kids that are like internationalists i think is just such an advantage for them um so they you know they have friends and they literally have friends now in like uh england and in spain and in mexico and of course here in california but um you know it's a really cool thing for them to to have that so um, yeah, we try true. to make it like kind of normal living because we're not like those quite like those traveling families that you see where they're like in Thailand one day and in Cambodia the next day and then New Zealand like the next month. So we're not traveling around crazy like that. So they're still like going to school. It's still pretty much like normal life, you know. Um, even when we were in Europe, we were traveling around a lot more, but we still tried to keep like some kind of regular schedule and, and good stuff, you know, for them. So, um, you know, we we try to be pretty aware. We don't want to create some crazy weirdos when they get older, you know? <laughs> so. <laughs> it sounds like they're already reaping the benefits, uh, you know, learning different languages, learning about new cultures. I think that's incredible that you, the, the education that you're giving them. And, and I guess with all of the social networking and all the chat apps that we have now, it's, really not hard to keep in touch with friends anywhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely. in Orange County. I'm in Bangkok. So, you know, we're having this conversation. So Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the day we live in. It's so fun, you know. Like, and honestly, it's created some amazing experiences uh, where that we've had. You know, like when we were flying from Cancun to, to London. No, we were flying into Manchester. It, all the staff, you know, on the plane, the flight attendants were all British, of course. And so the, this guy comes along and he's like, can I take your rubbish? And my wife, or not my wife, my daughter and I just start laughing. And we, he's like, he, we called, he pulled the garbage rubbish, you know? And so like, um, you know, there's little things like that, that you just don't get living like a quote unquote normal life. Right. So, um, just fun stuff like that, you know. It's, it's so. so funny you mentioned that because I, I meet so many people from the UK or maybe New Zealand in Bangkok. 
And whenever, depending on who I'm talking to, I'm able to switch accents so easily. Oh, uh, right. You know, so I, I was on my morning walk this way. Uh, I'm sorry, I was on my walk this morning, and um, I encountered this guy, and I was I was asking for directions because I, you know, the, the neighborhoods are really crazy here, and I was yeah. like, "Excuse me, do do you know if this way goes through?" And the way I said the way I said throw is just like you know classic out of London or something. Right, right. I was like, oh yeah, well, I mean, you're one of us, you know. <laughs> he had no idea sudden, that I'm American. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden you're saying stuff like rubbish and cheers and cheers, you know all right? these other, talking about your flat and then the lift to get up to your flat, you know, and stuff like that. It's like wait. It's English, but most Americans are like, huh? You know, so, um, so yeah. And it's really funny so, when, when people here in Thailand, they're really obsessed with soccer. And, you know, they, they love to talk about football with me, you know, Manchester United and all this stuff. And they don't even realize I, I'm from Southern California, you know, we don't have any football clubs. But I'm, I'm so used to it by now that I can just, you know, chat about whatever, <laughs> football, oh, yeah. UK football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. So, so we're both kind of just world citizens, and same. Seems sounds like the same for your daughters now. They're becoming world citizens. Yeah, and Very I certainly cool. think that's where the world is headed, anyways. And so, um, that's kind of my next phase or next assignment. Is really my oldest is nine years old, and so my wife and I are kind of trying to take this next level of like, all right, let's figure out what is the best kind of education for our kids to get and how will that apply directly, especially us being entrepreneurial to them providing value in the world, AKA making money slash like actually like doing something cool, you know, like, you know, I've told my daughters, I never want you to have to work at Burger King for your first job. You know, like I want you to be like, selling something on Etsy or your own Shopify site or something, you know, so that they can get a taste of, of how to do that before, you know, 16 years old hits and they get a car and they want to, you know, they want gas money. So they go get a job like we all did, you know, um, I just, I don't think we have time for, I mean, this is a whole nother subject, but I just think education is, (laughs) it's got to catch up, you know? So, um, So yeah, can't wait to have your daughters on the podcast in a few years to share their success story. (laughs) I know, I know. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're going uh, to Playa del Carmen is because there's such an international community there. So when my girls go to school there, it's very realistic that they'll not only have friends that are Mexican, of course, but they'll have friends that are like Italian and Russian and French and German, you know. And so uh, because there's a a huge uh, European influence there as well, so. Yeah, that's my goal, man. If I could get my kids to <laughs> to start speaking on this, then that would be great. Yeah, it's great. It sounds like you have a great partner in your wife as well. and um, That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a huge deal. <laughs> that, like, you, can't, you just can't get very far, you know. If, you can't go, like, travel around, like, you know, Tibet if all your wife wants to do or, or your husband, whatever case it is, like, just wants to golf, you know, or something like, or just wants to go to target, you know, like my wife is kind of crazy. Like she was the one that kind of kickstarted this whole thing. Like I was much more of the, like, you know, comparing myself to all the other schmoes in Orange County that are working and, you know, doing the whole thing. And she's, like I said, she's the one like thinking, yeah, let's try out Zimbabwe. What's that like? You know, it's like, wait, what? You know, so 
Um, so yeah, having a partner is, is a big deal, you know? Yeah. I know part, how difficult it can be when page. you have a, I'm not married, but I know how difficult it can be when you have a girlfriend who just doesn't think of this stuff as possible. Who thinks that, you know, you have to work and, you know, I, I only get an hour for lunch break, so we have to have lunch before, uh, 1 uh, PM, you know, and I, I, it's incredibly frustrating. It's like, Oh, I can only get, you know, two days off, three days off to travel. Is that okay? And I'm like, no, you can't go to India for four days. You got to go or three days, you know, you got to go for <laughs> yeah. like three weeks at least. Yeah. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite frustrating. Um, but man, it sounds like a great thing that you've got set up there and, uh, congratulations on your success, man. And likewise, <laughs> so you have a course here. That's how I found you. It's the online marketing business, uh, online marketing business, step-by-step to 5k a month in 90 days. And you, you have packed so much stuff in this course. You have 82 lectures. Can someone go and is it possible we can set up a discount coupon if somebody wants to get more oh, yeah. from you? Yeah, absolutely. So I can send you that and uh, so that there's a nice good di- discount on there for sure. Cool. And then that you can have that. And then Udemy just changed up their pricing structure and everything. And I think it takes effect like next week or something. So, um, but absolutely like um, – you know, the, the biggest discount thing I can give, uh, we'll set that up for sure. Great. So I can, I can see that someone after taking this course, they would be able to get started, get the training wheels they need, start to get their uh, first client and start to, I guess, earn a full-time income through working with clients, right? Is that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I will say if they do the work, because I have students now who have literally taken the course or they've gotten even halfway through the course. And they go out and they get their first paying client. And they're like, Sean, it works. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> so so it, if they do the work, if they apply the education that's there, they'll make it work. I promise. And this course is really comprehensive. I mean, you've covered everything, like from logos to taglines to uh, business plans to systems. It's, it's great Yeah, stuff. and if there's something there and if I get a lot of feedback, I, I'm active there. So I'm more than happy to add anything that I feel like is missing. So, um, yeah, I'm super active there in the discussion area. If anyone has any questions, I'm there to answer them. Excellent. Well, thank you, Sean, so much for showing others the path. And thank you for uh, hanging on this very long interview. But it was, it was good stuff. We had a lot that we covered. And, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Take care. Perfect. Thank you.